Father, this morning we just come to you. We just want to stand firm in faith, steadfast in faith, immovable, unshakable by all the things that happen around us. We do not go by the evidence of what we see or what we hear with our ears or our naked eyes. We go by what you speak to our spirit. And until you say it is over, it is never over. But when you say it is over for your church, the battling church, the church that is in this fight, when you say it's over for the church in a twinkling of an eye, we will be gone from here. The church will not go down in defeat. It cannot go down in defeat. The church is the body of Christ. If the head is victorious and victorious always, the body cannot be defeated. So Father, we stand firm in faith and we continue to declare your healing and your deliverance upon all who have asked for prayer. And I continue to proclaim your word over them, brethren who have asked from Mumbai, from Hyderabad, Pastor Abraham in the ICU critical, but I continue to speak, they shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. Pastor Paulos, Pastor Morris, so many, so many pastors. I do not know most of them, but you know every one of them. And if their time is not up, no disease, no power in hell on earth can take them out. So we release them into your hands and I pray your hand will keep them safe. And we pray for our state, Telangana Lord. I pray the numbers will come down. Numbers will come down. We bind this demonic spirit of this pandemic in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And we speak healing over this state. We bind it over India, especially Maharashtra Lord. We bind it in the name of Jesus. And I pray your hand would be there upon that state too, Lord. Where the Lord is high, let them look up. Let them look up that there is one name, one name alone given under the heavens by which man can be saved, man can be healed, man can be delivered. And it is the name of Jesus. So we stand in the gap between the dead and the living. And we make intercession for them, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father. We know you hear us because you love us. We do not come in our own righteousness. We come through Christ and that is enough for you, more than sufficient for you, Lord. As we come to the ministry of the word, continue speaking to us, continue teaching us, Lord. The little ones are here, young ones are here, but you are the only one who can take the word and impress into the hearts of each one that they may understand at their level. Speak to us, teach us, for in Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we are with Gideon. Remember, we are with Gideon. <coughs> and we had looked on Tuesday. <coughs> it all begins. In his case, Old Testament, often you will see this physical manifestation. In his case, it begins with the angel of the Lord coming and speaking to him. 
mighty man of valor. God is with you. That's where it begins. Okay, that's where it begins. So in our case, somebody preaches or you read and you, the Spirit of God speaks to you. God doesn't visibly come and speak to you like in the Old Testament. Rare cases like in Paul's case or that they have visions, dreams, angel appears. But now primarily God speaks through his servants. But it is the Spirit of God who speaks to you. You can speak to the most anointed servant, but if the Spirit of God doesn't speak to you, then you will not hear. That's why faith comes from hearing, and hearing from the Word of God. The servant of God can only bring the Word of God, but he cannot cause the Spirit to speak to you. That's why we need to be very, very sensitive to the Holy Spirit, because if the Spirit doesn't speak to you, there is no life. We just received good instructions. We take it, take notes, we go. But life is not imparted. Life is imparted by the Spirit. So faith begins there. So the angel of the Lord comes and appears. It is the angel of the Lord. So even when the angel of the Lord speaks, he is speaking through the Holy Spirit and he is speaking the words of God. And that is how faith begins. And when faith begins, faith without obedience is pointless. We have to be brought to the obedience of faith. So you will see, we all don't begin like mighty men of valor. We begin as fearful men, desperate men, but that fearful but obedient. That's the key. Okay, it's it's not that God is God is not uh, God is not uh, upset because He's a father. When our little children, no, our little children are always afraid, you know, of dark, of dogs, everything. No, my God, no, no, you come with me. I said, okay, you go first. I'll come behind you. Because what they are trying to do, to teach you that you don't have to be afraid of the dark. It's just in your mind. There's nothing there in the dark. No, unless you come, I will not go. Okay, that is what all these prophets also say. Unless you come, I will not go. And God is okay because our children said the same thing to us. Okay, and then we saw fearfully they obeyed. And they realized there was nothing there. There's nothing there. So he fearfully obeys. And then the miracle happens. And then from there, step by step, God takes you until he becomes daring. We are not going there. But we looked at the last thing is that it's not enough. Even after you have won your victories is when you should be very, very careful. You need to have persevering faith. Okay, You have to persevere till the end. The dangerous, most dangerous thing for a believer is the complacency that comes from prosperity. When your wars end, like it could be a, it could be a home. I've seen it happening. Let us say husband is unbeliever or husband is, I mean, usually husband is an unbeliever, alcoholic, and the wife is fasting, praying, going for every meeting, hiding secretly, but she's on fire. Then he gets saved. And he changes. And after some time you'll realize that the impetus is gone. And before you know, they slowly slide into complacency. And you look back and you realize, I've seen in my own ministry, I've seen, but I said, which was better? Which was better? And that's where we have to, people don't persevere when, when, you know, when things all ease, you know, they don't persevere in a faith. But today we will look at another portion from chapter 6 and words 25 and 26. 25 and 26. Now it came to pass the same night, the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull, seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has. Cut down the wooden image that is beside it. 
and build an altar to the Lord your God on the top of this rock in proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. Can I have it in KJV too? It came to pass the same night, the Lord said to him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years, throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. Okay, you will see that proper order coming over. There are two things if you turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 10. Okay, verse 10. This, the order is always the same. See, I have said this day, have this day set you up over the nations to and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. So he says, you cannot plant unless you root out certain things. Okay, when you look into, I mean, we are not looking at ground primarily, imagery. We are looking into our heart, our minds. You cannot plant the seed of God without pulling the tears out. They cannot grow together. Now we may talk about in the, in the, in the, it's talking about in the church, but in your own life, my own life, it is not possible. And often we do that. And our struggle is that two things are trying to occupy at a limited space. And God doesn't allow it. Allow it. We go nowhere. So God says, root out, pull down. To destroy and to throw down. So God is telling, you know what? Baal's altar is there. The grove is there. I don't want you to offer the second bull on Baal's altar. To me. Don't. Destroy it. Cast it down. Pull it down. Destroy it completely. And then build another altar. And it should be in proper order. There has to be order there. You cannot casually build. Oh, I'm in a hurry. There is so much problem. Enemies are attacking. No, I will just build an altar. We are worried about our issues. God isn't. God is in complete control. You see, we need to realize sometimes we rush in and rush out of our prayer closet and say, why didn't God answer? God says, where's your order? Just because you are panicking, God is not panicking. Because things are out of my control. It is never out of God's control. Okay? So these are fundamental things which we need to understand where God says, you know what? First, tear it down. Tear it down. Without tearing it down, you cannot build up. And when you build, you have to build it in order. Simple thing is because our God, simple is our God is a God of order. God hates disorder. Because it goes against the very nature of who he is. Okay, now when we talk about disorder, start down getting upset, oh, I don't wake up in the morning. Those are simple outward things, okay? Though it matters, but that is not, that we start with our children, okay? Start with our children, okay? Start with our children, like, you know, I, I wake up Siri in the morning. So, you know, Samawa was telling me, let her sleep. I said, why? Why should she sleep? Why should he sleep? Because she's a child. She should sleep. 
hours. I mean, she's already slept eight hours. Okay? She's already slept eight hours. She shouldn't be sleeping. She should be wake up. Like in God's calendar, there's nothing called vacation. We created all this. Six days you shall work, on the seventh day you shall rest. That day we come to church early. We need to get these things right, otherwise what will happen is, I'm not saying that they should have a relaxed time during vacation, but all that is fine. But if you, we don't get this order in place when they are young, they will struggle when they are old. Though God can change a person who comes to the Lord, he did not have order, only that he will have to really, really give it his hundred percent. Okay, so God is a God of order. And for 2,000 years, God is trying to work out his order in the church. Because of all the things God has done in 6,000 years of human history and before that creation, we will think all the stuff that he has done. We will think, what is God's greatest creation? It's the church. It's a new creation. The church is God's masterpiece masterpiece. We look at all these things, but all of heavens is looking down at the church. Because through the church, the wisdom of Christ is being revealed. So God has been working. If you look at Luke chapter 13 and verse 31 and 32, and then Second Peter 3, 8, and go back to Luke 13. 13, 31 and 32. On that same very, very, on that very day, some Pharisees came saying to him, get out and depart from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I shall be perfected. And if you look at Peter 3.8, scripture says that one day is like a thousand years. Second Peter 3.8, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. Okay, so when Jesus is talking in verse 32 of Luke 13, when he's saying the first day and the second day, Today and tomorrow. What is God Jesus doing? He's doing cures. Meaning he is healing us physically and he's healing us spiritually. That is why we have hope and we don't, we don't struggle under this pandemic. Don't be serious. Otherwise so many people wouldn't die. It is serious. But we don't panic under it because we know there is a God who has promised on the first and the second day I will heal. Third day nobody will need healing. There will be no sickness. Okay? First and second day. What do I do? I do cures. And what I do, what do I do? I cast out demons. Okay? So that's a fundamental ministry of the church to cast out demons. It's telling that you are aliens here. Illegitimate here. Okay? Illegitimate here. You usurp the authority that was given to Adam and Jesus has taken it back. Taken it back. So they cannot directly confront a child of God who knows his place and authority in Christ. So what he does is that he will use flesh and blood to come against you. So God says don't fight them. You're fighting for them. So in the process, if things happen to do, you just go into glorious spiritual martyrdom. You died in battle because you refused to fight flesh and blood. But you're victorious because you have defeated the powers of darkness. You did not lose that battle. Okay, understand. On the third day, I shall be perfect. So the first and the second day, <coughs> he's doing something physical and spiritual. But on the third day, he is going to be perfected. On the third day, we will see the saints 
perfected. His order coming into creation. That's why 1000 year rule of Jesus Christ is given on earth. Because it is going to be shown. The visible creation that is earth and the people in the world will start reflecting the order of God in the invisible creation. That's our prayer. Thy will be done on earth that is in heaven. Thy kingdom come. Thy will. What are we praying? The order that is in heaven will be reflected for a thousand years on earth. On the third day, it will be, I will be perfected. How does he do that? Through his saints. First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians 1.10. Second Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 10. When he comes in that day, like Jude talks about Enoch saying, he shall come with tens and thousands of his holy ones, his saints. To whom? To judge the ungodly, 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 ungodly. But when he comes in the saints, what happens? He will be glorified in his saints. How will he be glorified in his saints? They will have order, they will have righteousness, and they will have godliness. He will receive that glory. Okay, he will receive that glory. This, uh, this is the, the, what we call the perfected saints. Okay, perfected. So whenever God tells anything in the Old Testament, do it. Remember, its application is in the New Covenant. That is why they were asked to do it. So don't take these things lightly, because when Christ comes, where does he get his glory from? He gets his glory from his saints. Who? The perfected saints, who have brought all these things through the Holy Spirit to come to pass in their lives. Okay? So keep that. So before the kingdom comes physically on this earth, in Luke 17, verse 20 to 21, 2021, one day, the kingdom of God will take over everything. Okay? So when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered and said to them, kingdom of God does not come with observation. But he says, nor will they say, see here, see therefore, indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Okay? That is what it means. If you ask today, where is the kingdom of God? It is in us. On that day, the kingdom will be revealed. And when it's revealed, the question is, will he get glory from our lives? Was there order? Today we are only looking at order. But all the other things, the virtues of God, one of that is order. Will we show the order we had in our lives? So Gideon cannot build an altar the way he wants. Build it in proper order. Proper order. Therefore, we need to understand because the entire kingdom of God is built on order. Okay, here's the whole of heavens, Romans 1 says, whole of heavens declares God's glory. What is the glory in? You know what? You, there are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 15 people sitting over there. Probably you cannot predict anyone here what time you will wake up tomorrow. With certainty. For the next 100 years, 200 years, you can predict exactly what time the sun will rise. And what time it will set. Exactly. It will be either 5.56 and setting at 5.47. It will be, it doesn't go wrong. And that's what the scripture says, the whole of heaven declares. Meaning you look at it over it says, you know what, this is not random. It's like somebody said, if you take a Swiss watch, it's got a thousand pieces. You take it all apart and then put it in a box and shake it, it doesn't come out as a watch. It's impossible. For this thing to come together out as a watch. In the same way, only an idiot can say, you look at all around and says, there is no creator behind this. 
It's impossible. Because if there is no creator, how can there be order like this? And the only disorder over here is mankind. Because we have been, simply because God gave us the free will. Free will, okay? God gave us the free will. Okay, that is the, that's the reason. Let me give, tell you something. If you read Genesis chapter 1, you will see, you don't have to go there. You see, he created everything by the word of his mouth. Word of his mouth. Man was not created that way. Was not created that way. Man was formed by God and he breathed into him and he was given the free will to choose. Okay? But everything that he created by the word of his mouth, you know what? They obey. You can tell the animal, go there. It will go. Get into Noah's ark. Everybody will get in. Okay? The young one of the call, take it. The master, it will not buck. It will not try to throw him off. You will take the raven, take food for Elijah. It will take every plan, everything that was created by the word of his mouth will obey the word. Therefore, in the new creation, we are created by the word of God so that we will obey. That's the difference. You're created by the word of God. Breathed by the Holy Spirit, but created by the word of God so that we can obey. So faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. If it does not lead to obedience, we are falling short. That's the difference. Old covenant people could not obey because they were not born again by the word of God. We will look down at the animals and say, feel sorry for them. They feel sorry for us. Because they never disobey. The only difference is they do not have the spirit. (laughs) They were created by the word. No spirit. We are created... He breathes a spirit into us and now, new covenant what has happened, we have been born again by the word and by the spirit and we can obey. We can obey the word. So don't say you cannot obey the word. If you cannot obey the word, there is problem. Okay. So the kingdom of God is the God of kingdom of order. And God on the third day for himself to be perfected or glorified in his saints is trying to work Order in our lives. For the kingdom of God is a kingdom of order. But when we talk about order, (coughs) we have to be very, very clear to differentiate between order and legalism. Old covenant, the law was given. And they tried to bring out an order through the law. It does not work. It is not the same. Okay, Legalism is when man tries to please God by keeping certain rules. Rules, rules, rules. Okay, that's not order. Legalism can bring that order, but that doesn't mean you have order inside. You can have Pharisees that incredible order outside, but they had no order inside. Okay, the other problem with legalism is, the other extreme of legalism is that if they have no law, then they don't follow it. The problem with legalism is that they always need a law. Supposing there is no law. Supposing the law does not say anything about it. <laughs> they become lawless. Okay. Or that, look at 1st Corinthians chapter 10 verse 23. The difference, the new covenant. Hmm? 23. All things are lawful for me. Not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. You know what they are putting a principle over there? The law doesn't say, you cannot do it. I can do it. He says, no. 
So it doesn't mean I can do it. I need to ask myself, does it edify me? Does it edify my brother? Does it glorify God? If it doesn't, even if there is no law against it, I will not do it. I will not. Okay? Like we have, we have, we have burst into liberty. Burst into freedom. So, so many of the laws, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do that, doesn't apply to us. But we have to be very, very careful how we apply it. Because you know what? The minute you lose order, you lose liberty. You lose liberty. Order and liberty comes together. Okay? Order and liberty comes together. Legalism actually takes freedom away. It takes liberty away. So the Holy Spirit is trying to bring divine order into our lives. That is called the Romans 8 talks about. That is called the law of the spirit. Okay, law of the spirit. What does it produce? It produces, it produces life. Basically, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. If you come to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22, 23. We know the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We know that the fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. What does it say? Against such, there is no law. There's no any law against this. There is no law. Is there written in the in? Can you have a love? Thou shall have peace. I mean, if there is a law written, thou shall have peace, what do you do? But on the other hand, if you fall into God's order, thou shall have peace. Thou shall have peace. Okay, thou shall, we, we know that uh, daily devotion, very simple, right? The, uh, the farmer who hired that man, you know, and uh, it was a stormy day. Uh, so he came out panicking and the man is fast asleep. And he says, how can you sleep? He says, when the wind blows, I can. Why if you look at it? It's simply because he had order in his life. Therefore, he could speak. And that's what order does. This is not the law. This is order. This is order. If we have order in our lives, when the storm blows, when the storm, because storms will blow. That's about the house that was built on the rock. What is it? It had order. So when, like we saw yesterday, Assam, right? Earthquake. I know, the Taj Vivanta in Guwahati was one of the most badly uh, affected buildings. Okay, that's where the big people go. So God shook them. Okay. Shook them also. I mean, small bit, all the things happening. I mean, God is talking to us loudly screaming from heaven. Earthquakes and pandemics and all kind of junk happening everywhere. And people are still going around as if this too shall pass and we shall continue. You know, something is, something is wrong with us that we are not. I mean, what more do we need to be shaken up? No, like my kids wrote from them. Like, they're not kids. They're all in their 40s, 50s with their own children and all. But that was my youth group. So they wrote me saying like, no, we all been shaken up. And we were thinking about those days, about the end days teachings and all. So we got this, especially the men, the girls were writing that the men need a literal shaking before they would wake up to this reality. No, but the fact is that are we waking? Are we waking? You know, or are we so determined, fatalistic, like, I will go down. 
Now that's basically what Jonah is saying. I know the reason for this storm. It is me. But you know what? I am not going to obey him. You know what you want? You want the storm? Throw me into the sea. I would rather die than obey him. You know, he had two solutions to give that day. He said, you know what? You can turn the ship to Nineveh. The storm will stop. Or you can throw me out. He didn't opt for one. Because to go to Nineveh was to obey God. He says, you know what? I will die. I don't like what he's telling me to do. I would rather die than obey him. This is the power of the flesh. You know, solution is so simple for most of us. Very simple. <laughs> it is that we do not know. We actually we don't need any more teaching. We just need obedience. We don't need much teaching. But you know, the, we are like Jonah, prophetic, but in the wrong direction. We would rather go overboard than go to the place God wants us to go. That's basically what's happening. There is no law against it. Because the Bible says in Galatians 5, those who are led by the Spirit, they're not under the law. Not under the law. But when the Holy Spirit leads, you need to realize when the Holy Spirit leads, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But when the Holy Spirit leads, the Spirit who in charge of this whole creation, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit, you will see when he leads you, he leads you into order. A spiritual order. A order in your soul. A order in your body. Order in your body. He leads you. Okay. First Corinthians 14 and verse 40. <coughs> Let all things be done decently and in order instruction to the church but individually we are at the church and God says let everything be done decently and in order why because verse 33 the Bible says God is not the author of confusion but of peace as in all the churches of the saints God is not a God of confusion it's a God of order so confusion brings disorder or disorder is the cause of confusion Disorder is in the, like, um, I have my order on my table, study table, which looks to, if there is a maid in the house, which looks like disorder. But that's my order. They will sometimes, now not, of course, I don't let anybody do anything in my office over here, because I know exactly where my stuff are. You know where my, it may look like disorder to you, but I know where my paper is, where my books are, where my notebooks are. I know it all and each one will have a different tag also. As I grow older, I get all these tags. Sometimes it is Renny who gets me these tags. Okay, and I stick them according to color. Okay, according to color. Okay. And uh, yesterday, I, I know exactly yesterday I need, I needed uh, three Passport says photographs, and I was here, so I called my wife and says, go into the cupboard, open this, and there is this one. And she looked and said, it's nothing. She also video FaceTimed and tell me there is nothing. I said, it is not possible. Just go into the other pocket, and it was there. And do you know when I kept it there? 2020, in the month of January. That also I knew. It is not that I, my memory is great or not. Sometimes it doesn't. But you know what? When you have order in your life, it's very easy to recollect where things are. And we do not write. God is not trying to be this uh, no, 
sergeant in the army. He's just trying to bring order into our life so that we become efficient. Order brings efficiency. Where there is disorder, efficiency goes. We don't realize. Efficiency goes. And God is trying to bring, because his entire universe creation is so efficient. Absolutely efficient. Let us think about this thing. God gives free will to the sun. And the sun says, for one month I'm not rising. What happens to us? We are already frozen. We have gone to the ice age. Okay. Now, you look at the incredible order in which everything is done. So please don't confuse this. God is not the author of confusion, but man is the author of confusion. God is the author of order. And where there is order, there is peace. But where there is confusion, James chapter 3 verse 16, 316. 316. <coughs> For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. Okay? Every confusion comes. But wherever there is confusion, you will always realize there is disorder. <coughs> we shall come to that. So that's why we need to walk by faith. The reason is often we do not understand what God says. Why does God say do things in a certain way? But we do it by faith. Okay. I mean, think about it. When we were small, I mean, I remember when I was small, so many things our parents said, we didn't understand. We didn't obey by faith, we obeyed by fear. I mean, when you were told, wake up in the morning, why did you wake up? Go wash your face. Why should I wash my face? You give me a lecture on it. No, go wash your face. Go wash your face. Then go brush your teeth. Now we understand. Why wouldn't step out without washing our face or brushing our teeth? Right. We understand. But those days we didn't understand any of these things. Okay. I mean, if it was possible... If there was no order and discipline in the house, we would go to school in the clothes we went to sleep in. Because it didn't make any difference to us when we were small. If they didn't wake up, we wouldn't go to school. But now you know what? It all makes sense. Now we teach it to our children. So we need to understand so many things God says. We will not understand. That's why faith comes in. But when we obey it by faith, God's divine order is being established in our lives. So for what? So that we can be efficient. Paul tells Timothy about being cleansing ourselves so that we become noble vessels in his hands. But it's not enough to be holy and noble. We also need to be efficient. Efficient. You know, there are two great car makers. Then Hyundai and all called it came later. But earlier it was the Japanese and it was the Germans. If you had money, you bought a German car. If you had less money, wanted more mileage, you went for a Japanese, especially Toyota. And there was Mercedes-Benz. So you had to look at this and you know what? You invest your money in a German car. For the next five years, you don't have to worry. You know, break. India, of course, everything will break down. It has nothing to do with the vehicles, what to do with our roads. Okay. But you need to realize, you know, it was efficient. There was... Uh, Chit, uh, you know, Chitranjan locomotives. 
It's the big one, old days, established in Kolkata. It was established by, I forgot, a Bengali engineer. Okay, was in, a, I think it's Chitranjan. Yeah, his name is Chitranjan. Okay, so he studied engineering, if I'm right, in Germany. And he came back with a German efficiency. And you know what? People in Kolkata set their watches by looking at him going for his morning walk because he knew he wouldn't be a minute late each day because he got that efficiency order. Do you know, a couple of years back, uh, the Japanese uh, railway master of a, t- of a station apologized to the Japanese yeah. people because the train was a minute late? Or one second, 30 seconds or one minute late? Okay. If we come five minutes or ten minutes late to church, we feel good. I have only ten minutes late. In, in the world, a railway master is apologizing for... Their bullet train being one minute or 30 seconds late. Okay, now that you can have efficiency without God. How much more does God want efficiency? And he will work it out. Please understand this, okay? So, if you look at when Paul, uh, sorry, Moses was told to make the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was just a shadow. Hebrews 8 and verse 5. Hmm? Okay. Who served the copy and the shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was divinely instructed when he was about to make the tabernacle for his said, See that you make all things according to the pattern shown you on the mountain. So he's making a physical tabernacle. And he said, You be very careful. This is just a copy. It's a copy. Okay? So you have to be very, very careful that the way you make it, it should be like what is it about. Okay, so it's a physical tabernacle. In the new covenant, we know we are the tabernacle. We are the temple of God. You getting the picture? So we should reflect, we should be a copy of the actual tabernacle in heaven. And the actual tabernacle in heaven is not a place, it's a person called Jesus Christ. God is not cloning, but is birthing sons and daughters in the image of his son, Jesus Christ. We'll all be different, but in in essence, in nature, we have to become like him. It's not like clones, like the world wants. No. In essence and nature, but different. Different. God is making copies of his son. So we cannot go, go outside order. Order is important because that's what's Moses. If you turn with me to Exodus chapter 40 and verse 23, because in the new covenant, how we understand, okay, you knew the holy place. <coughs> and he set the bread in order upon it before the Lord, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now you think about this. There are 12 tribes. Only one tribe is allowed to minister, the Levites. Among them also priestly classes separated. The priests who go into the holy place also differ from cycle to cycle. Honestly, when you have, let us say, 10 million people and four people are going into the holy place, who is going to see if it is kept in order or not? Who is going to? Who cares? God says, I care. You see, I learned these things from my father. See, he worked in a mountainous country up there in Bhutan, which was close to the world. After 400 years, 500 years of the nation's birth, it opened to the world. So when it opened to the world in the 1960s, when Nehru went three days on horseback to reach Thimpu, that was our prime ministers, okay, and opened up the country, education was opened up. This is a nation which is suddenly opening up to civilization. 
and people haven't seen anything no trains no cars they're slowly opening up and all no you know what in these small little towns everything centers around the school one school one school and all tribal people over there hardly seen anything in the middle of it there is one principal called my father very style okay, very style his shoes have to shine when most people don't have shoes or hardly anybody has shoes his shoes have to shine it's my job to polish it okay he has got his watch and there is one clock that's the only two instrument that show time in that whole town okay i still remember his watch it's a swiss tugaris you can go check it on google tugaris big he was so this thing about it and i will look at and who is there to see your tie who cares if your shoes i've never asked this question something went through my mind it should have been sacrilege to ask these questions okay because a 6 year old i mean i was as old as aman and how old is aman no no so joanna now 6 yeah at this her age i am sitting there and polishing his shoes just my job Okay, think about it. But you know what? It didn't matter who. He never changed his order. He never changed his order. Okay. I mean, it didn't make any difference to him. All that order in his life did not make any difference to his life because ultimately he died two days before he died. He knew the Lord, so he didn't make any investment in the kingdom of God other than passing on that order to his son, who would one day serve God. Okay. And I look at so many things which he taught me, simple by observation. observation help me a lot when i came to the lord because these things if you try to learn it like pastor vijay his parents you will look at him taught him to memorize i never memorized i was taught to read <laughs> we didn't memorize much the only things i can remember is my multiplication tables and my nursery rhymes after that i have to read okay so you need to understand that a lot of stuff which we need to realize which will help us to become more efficient in the hands of god so we will say set the bread in order before the lord why because order is reflected in the kingdom of god this is a symbol and the bread on that table you need to understand represents the body of christ and we know the table represents fellowship represents fellowship so there is a table and there is bread and jesus said i am the bread that came from heaven and immediately you need to ask this question is there uh, order in jesus life there order in jesus life okay and there is a table is there order in our fellowship order in my fellowship you know you no know, when i have a family is sitting there and talking no we're talking sometimes the young one so a couple of times i had to tell the young ones okay you know what when elders are talking you shouldn't be interrupting you do not have order in your fellowship you do not have order in your fellowship okay whether we like or like it or not there is hierarchies established by god on earth and in heaven there is hierarchies in heaven also so you have to be very careful in your fellowship there is order there is order there is bread and there is table because what happens is when these those things are what are we missing we are missing revelations no god cannot speak to us cannot speak to us because you we need revelation the entire new covenant is built on revelation 
It is not built on knowledge, wisdom and understanding and law. It is built on revelation. All that is there in the Old Testament, but no church was built. And the gates of hell prevailed over the nation of Israel. But if the church will prevail over the powers of darkness, it is because of revelation. And revelation cannot come into a soul which does not have order. Does not have order. So we need to understand the importance of what God is talking about. He is telling there, when you set the bread on the altar, maybe nobody sees, but see that it is set in order. Because I see, it matters to me. It matters to me. Because there is order. Leviticus 1, 7 and 1, 12. The sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire on the altar and lay the wood in order on the fire. You think about it. There are people waiting in line to offer sacrifice, but you cannot rush. Now, if you look at the pictures, if you look at the pictures, I mean, the sad pictures coming from all over North India, thousands dying, cremations taking place. You will see some cremations, there is order. Most of them there is no order. In a meaning, in cremation also there is a particular way the Hindus keep the wood. And you will see most of it is not kept that way. Because people are panicking, there is a rush, but some of people will insist this is the way in according to our religious rites, the wood has to be kept. Wood has to be kept. Now here it's something bigger than that. God says, before you keep the animal on the altar, okay, there needs to be order, how you place the firewood, it has to be in order, the sacrifice, come to word 7, 12, this is the wood, he shall cut it into pieces with its head and its fat and the piece shall lay them in order on the wood this is what Elijah does, you want revival, first the 12 tribes 12 stones, the altar has to be made in order, after that the wood has to be put in order, then the animal has to be cut according to God's order, not whatever you want to please that was always issues with the sons of Eli because you know what, what should have gone to God, the good pieces they took. And by that come to Malachi, he said, you can take your offerings and sacrifice, I do not want any of it. You know what? God says, your sacrifice has to be cut in order. Then it has to be placed in order. So we forget the importance of order because in Romans 12, 1 comes, everything of the physical is gone. We come and move into the new covenant and scripture says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable. What does acceptable there mean? There is order. Holy we understand. Everybody asks, what is this acceptable to God? He says, if there is no order in your life, your sacrifice is not acceptable to me. Like I said, how many believers can you get on a given day who will go to God on three days regularly at the same time? If God wasn't such a patient, merciful father, he wouldn't listen to us. Is there order? And we cannot say, I don't, I cannot have that order because everybody has that order for their workplaces. Because you have to punch in, you have to log in, on time, whether it is online or in present, you know that. Okay. And that's what God is talking about. Do we have order? Okay. Is the altar on order? Is the sacrifice on altar? Okay. Is just it have order? And we have to work on these things because you know what is happening. We are losing. God intervenes, He God heals us and He delivers, He gives us what we need and all. But spiritually, when it comes to doing the works which God wants to do through us, we are not going anywhere. 
And that's the saddest part. It's not that we are unsaved and we are not saved. It's not got to do with that. It is being a useful vessel in the Father's hand, a precision equipment in God's hand. That's what he's talking about. And we need to understand these things, spiritual order. Okay, Psalm 96 and verse 8. 96. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Okay? So God is saying, give glory to his name. Bring an offering. Now God doesn't want us any offering. He wants you offering the sacrifice of praise. He wants us. He wants us. He wants us. Like I said, the temple had three parts. We have three parts. He says, order in your body. One of the biggest lessons of the pandemic is that eat healthy, exercise. You can go through this. Simple. Eat healthy. Eat healthy. Why Why do we eat healthy? Because I want to live long. No, I want to serve long. There are a lot of people who live healthy and uh, live long. But they're good for nothing for God. God cannot use them. Are the bodies good, healthy? Yes. But their souls are messed up. You know why? Because there's no order in their soul. You can have an incredibly ordered body with a disordered soul, confusion and envy and strife. You looked at it. Where there is no order, there is confusion. So God is not talking about the order of the outer courts. Yes, you need outer courts order because without a body, that is the vessel in which the soul and the spirit is. So the vessel should have order. And the second thing, do you have order in your soul? The soul is divided into three parts. Basically, it is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Does your mind have order? Does your will have order? Does your emotions have order? Bringing it to the all. It doesn't automatically come. It comes through surrender. By surrendering it. See, I cannot bring order, the kind of order that God needs on my own. That is what the Holy Spirit is given for. He brings order. I may be completely happy with my order and the Holy Spirit comes and says, the Father is not happy at all with your order. Because this is not my temple. This is His temple. This is His temple. So He will bring out that order. He will bring that order. And for that we need to be willing to be disciplined by the Spirit of God. And that's what Paul was talking about. Basically, he's saying my entire life is being poured out as a sacrifice. What was God was saying? That's in 2 Timothy 4, 6. What is he talking about? You know what? My altar, my sacrifice is acceptable to God. My holes are already being poured out as a drink offering. And the time of my departure is at hand. Where is he going? Successful servant going home. Why? Because he had order and his sacrifice, his whole life as a living sacrifice was acceptable. Please understand. Without proper order, we will never grow spiritually. Ephesians 4, 15. But speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him, not Unto him, into him. That's a difference. Unto him and into him are two different things. Who is the head? Meaning, we should grow in all things like him. Who is the head? Who is the head? Okay. When you look at the head and the body has to grow like him. How is the only way possible? You have to keep speaking the truth in love. You have to keep speaking the truth. It's not that people will receive it, but there will be many who receive it. You have to grow into that head. 
because Christ is the order that we follow. If you need any order, you need a model. That's why God is showing Moses a vision, I believe, in the mountain of the tabernacle in heaven. And showed him all these things and you said, you know what? You have to make it exactly according to that, a copy on earth. Okay? He comes and tells the church, you know what? I want exactly the copy in heaven. The original is Jesus Christ, the firstborn. And I want sons and daughters in his image. Born of the word, now grow like the head. Exact copies. We will be different, but in essence, in everything, we need to be like him. And that's what the Bible, Colossians 2.10. You are complete in him. Who is the head of all principality and power? And verse 18 and 19. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility, worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, not holding fast to the head, from whom all the body nourished, knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with increase that is from God. If you don't hold fast to the head, God cannot give you the increase to grow. Grow. Okay, This part we should not forget. This is important. So God has given us his word. And God has given us his Holy Spirit. To bring that divine order into our lives. So that we grow into him. The head. Grow like Jesus. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 3. 11, 3. I want you to know the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man and the head of Christ is God. Okay? If you look at into eternity, into God's realm, there are only four. That is God, Christ, man, woman. No transgender, nothing over there. Okay? God, Christ, okay? No, because Biden in his first address to the Congress nation said he's got the back of the transgenders. But God has the back of the transgenders. He says, I will deliver you and I will help you. He's got nothing got to do with it. Okay, We need to be very careful. We are not against them. We love them and we want to deliver them. And Christ can deliver them. Because there is nothing called transgender in the kingdom of God or in eternity. It's only God, Christ, man and woman. That's the order. And we know Christ when he came in the flesh, he grew. He grew. We saw that. He grew four ways. He grew in stature, in wisdom, favor with God, favor with man. Spiritually, socially, he grew. He grew to the point that the fullness of God could dwell in him. So you need to realize, until he had that absolute divine order demanded by his father, the fullness of the spirit could not dwell in him. And it says, and how did he do that? John 5.19 Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he sees the Father do, for whatever he does, the Son also does in like manner. What is he basically saying that? My Father is my head. The head of Christ is my Father. What he does, I do. You know what I am? I am just a copy. I'm not the original. Therefore, he could say, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Because there's no difference between that. I mean, you put me, 
I'm just a Xerox copy of my father. Just a Xerox copy. That's what I am. Okay. Why? Because he says, I don't do anything of my own. What I see my father do, what I hear, he will turn the place, what I hear, what I hear my father say, what I see my father do, I just imitate it. I just imitate it. Okay. That's, and that's how he has that order in his life. Okay. So he will see there is order and out of order you get fullness. That's where faith comes. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. We hear and we obey. Everything we see will be contrary to what we hear. Contrary to what we hear. But we still obey because we know that is how the only way divine order can be established in my life. Okay, Psalm 119 verse 9. So what has he given us? Two things. One, he has given the word of God. That's not enough. Second, he has given us the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, okay? How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. How can a young man? The young people sitting over here. How can he? Okay. How can a person? I'm just talking, that's not talking about young people in the physical sense, spiritual sense. How does a born again child become a young man? By taking heed of your word. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 14, the transition to 14. I have written to you fathers because you have known him from the beginning. I have written to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. There's no other way. God has given his word. And if you abide in the word, you will overcome Psalm 119. What is that? Iniquity. And you will overcome the wicked one. Okay. Child. You know the three pictures in John gives you. Child, that is babe, and young man, and father. Okay, This is how order comes in. Order is established in a person's life by the Holy Spirit through the word of God. So if anybody thinks you can have spiritual or divine order by skirting either God's order, or God's word, or God's spirit, it's not going to happen. And we may say, what's the point? But in the eternity, we will be disqualified. It's not that we will not be allowed entry into the kingdom of God. Then you are saved by your works, but you will be disqualified from serving God. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 3. I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, as babes in Christ. What do you connect a baby to? Disorder. We don't connect order with a baby. And we, we are not upset with a baby either. Disorder. Why? But the baby is only aware of its own needs. And there is no order. You can't get a baby to eat two meals in two days at the same time. You cannot get a baby to sleep two days in a row at the same time. You cannot even get it to wet its nappy at the same time. There's no order in a baby's life. No order. I fed you with milk and not solid food for until now you were not able to receive it. Even now you are not still not able for you are still carnal. Meaning you are babies. And all these qualities are mentioned. So it's not talking about physical babies. It is talking about spiritual babies. You know why? There is confusion. There is a disorder because they haven't come under divine order. Though they have gifts. This is a church full of gifts. 
The first Corinthians and second Corinthians is written basically to bring order into a church. So it has become very prominent to all churches to see that you may be operating in every gift under the sky, but you may have no disorder. Ultimately, I will even have to ask you this question. Just examine yourself whether you are in the faith. Are you even really saved? To the point. Why? Because order is in there. At some point, order has to be start establishing. Spiritual order has to be established. Hebrews 5.13 says the same thing. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. What is milk? Now we are talking about the word of God. We are not talking about milk chastity. The simple question is that when you read the word of God, how do you, how, how do you understand? That is the key. How do you understand? Is it milk? Has it become revelation? Has it become experience? Where the word of God has become actually a weapon in your hands to over iniquity and powers of darkness. Otherwise it's still milk. It is still milk. You don't let babies lift anything. But they drink a lot of milk. You don't get them to do anything. Why? Because they are only fed on milk. Now we are not talking about knowledge here at all. Please don't misunderstand me. We are not talking about knowledge. We are not talking about whether the word of God has actually become practical in our lives. That's what the young people did over here. They're overcoming sin and they're overcoming powers of darkness. So they have understood. Otherwise God says you are a baby. You are still a baby. Galatians chapter 4 verse 1 and 2. I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though he is master of all, is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. So God has appointed a time for every baby. And you will be always under. Always under. You will say, who are these stewards? Who are these uh, guardians? You know what, babies? What does it mean? Babies in the kingdom of God goes through so much oppression. Because God keeps them under oppression. Because he says, if I take the oppression out, you will run on your own. The only way I can keep you under control without destroying you is putting you under guardians. You cannot be given liberty to walk as a young man. You cannot be. Because if I give you that liberty, God says, you know what, I love you too much. If I give you that liberty, you will destroy yourself. And when he is a child, he does not differ at all from a slave or a servant. It's no different from a servant. Turn to get Genesis chapter 15, 1 to 4. 1 to 4. After these words, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer or of Damascus. Okay? Three and four. And Abraham said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to me saying, This one shall not be your heir. What is God telling him? Your servant will not. So there is no difference between a child and a servant. They both won't inherit. Both won't inherit. Both won't inherit. What's the difference between? That's what the Bible says. Moses was the most faithful in the entire household of God as a servant. And God does not want servants, he wants sons. 
And sons understand the heart of the father. Understand the heart of the father. He's got a stake in it. The servant is always looking for gain, for profit. What do I get up from serving God? The son is not looking at all. He knows it's mine. He says, how can I please my father? He's not looking for gain. He's not looking for profit. He knows this is my father. And you know what? I want to bring joy to my father. I am a steward of my father's property. This belongs to my father. And that's the difference between a son and a servant. And that's what God is talking about. When you have moved to this stage, to this stage, you suddenly realize, you know what? I got order in my, I, I cannot actually make my father happy. I cannot do the functions which father wants me to do without order. You understand the importance of order. He's not doing it for gain. You can have order for gain. You can have order because of a relationship. In John chapter 15 verses 14 to 15, this is what Jesus says. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. Does not know. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Let me ask you this question. Did Moses know what God was doing? No, but Abraham knew. Abraham knew. Moses did not know what God was doing. All he could say is the promised land. That is says everything he was speaking was speaking from what God spoke to Moses. Sorry, Moses to Abraham. Abraham knew 500 years of bondage and the prison they would come out. Abraham knew Jesus would come. Abraham saw the city. He saw. That's why he looked like an alien because God. He saw what John the apostle would see in the island of Patmos. Abraham saw. You know why? Because he was a friend. He was not a servant. At the beginning, he was a servant. As a servant. And he kept on obeying. And when he kept on obeying God at limit, he said, you know what, you're my friend. Okay. Like I keep talking about, no, there are, we have children. We have children. But mostly, I mean, at least in old days, children are basically servants. Do this, do this, do this. That's what you tell your servant also. Do this, do this, do this. Only thing the servant gets paid, the children get nothing. Ultimately, children were like servants, not because of the work they did, but they had to obey. That was the difference between they had to obey. But a time will come when the child grows up. Grows up. And the father is no longer dealing with the child as a servant. The child father is dealing with the child as a friend. I son, come, let's know, you know how we need to handle this. Now he's not giving commands. He's asking for opinion. What do you say? What do you say? God says you have to come to that. I am not calling you because a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have you called you friends for all the things that I heard from my father I have made known to you. But I have not told you everything. And somebody just like me is coming. And if you walk in the order he creates, he will tell you what to do. He will reveal to you. The constant revelation will come back. You know why? Because you are not servants. You are friends. You are sons. This is what God is doing. That is when these things, that is what I am looking all around and I see, you know what, when this pandemic is happening and the, the damage and the death is real, but God's people should not be shaken. Should not be shaken. You cannot be shaken. You cannot be shaken. Because we have transcended death while we are living, if our, if our, our faith is real. We are not shaken. We are not moved. We know where we are going, but we are not going to die either. I know 
I'm not going to die because I know my work is not finished. So why should I be afraid of the pandemic? That doesn't mean I, I, I am presumptuous. No, but there are certain things which you shouldn't do because of the nature of the virus. You don't do those things. You don't know those things. You don't fool around. You're not like the children of Israel who say, okay, now we'll go fight and get beaten up and come back. No, you don't do that. But if you haven't done anything and you still get it, you know you'll come through it because you know your time is not up. Okay? So we have to be very, very careful because these things matter. These things matter because there needs to be order. So in First Corinthians, we saw in 11 and verse 3, four positions, four positions. God, Christ, man, woman. Let me tell you very clearly. The word head is also the word which is kurios, Aramaic, which means Lord, Lordship. The Lord of Christ is the Father, though he's equal. The Lord of man is Christ. The Lord of woman is man. Notice this is order. This is order. If Christ had not come under that order, he would have heard nothing from the Father. Father wouldn't have spoken to him. We need to understand, if you don't come under order, God will not speak to us. He will not speak to us. Lord, speak to us. And all you little kids know here, all who went to school, when schools were there, it was not online. You know? First thing you know, you had to reach on time. I don't know, but I've never been to your schools. I know my, when the transport bus was late, heart was pounding. Because you couldn't be late. You're late even to the principal office. And the principal office, he's not looking at first whether you are late. First he's looking at your shoes and your tie is in position. And you know, boy, he will come and straighten your tie like this. Okay. Shoes, he will still make an excuse because you walked down all the didn't walk, you were late, you were running. Okay. So he, studies was not the first thing. Studies. Because we have seen brilliant students who used to be the first rankers standing outside the class without listening to a single because they were late. Before you could study, before you could hear from any teacher, first thing the school insisted was you need to have order. Order. Because if you do not have order, you cannot receive. You cannot receive. Everything was based on order. So the first thing when the teacher comes in, I was a teacher, when the first teacher comes in, the first thing is that everybody got up and you greeted the teacher. And I was very, very careful. If somebody hadn't stood up in my class and I used to pick them up and say, stand up over there. What do you think? You're better than the teacher? And then, good morning, sir. Good morning. And I said, I said, get up all of you. Did I ask you to sit down? Did I tell you to sit down? I didn't tell you to sit down. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Sit down. What are you teaching them? You're teaching a principle that you know what? One day when you come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when he tells you to stand, you stand. When he tells him to sit, you sit. When he tells you to run, you run. You know why? You want to be an efficient vessel in the hands of God. The entire purpose of education was to create servants of God. That is what Oxford and Harvard and Princeton always started. Not to make monkeys like they have today. Who do not know they got? Oh yeah, they're monkeys because they believe in evolution. If you believe in evolution, you are a monkey. If you believe in creation, you are a child of God. 
you can choose. You can choose what you are. So we have to understand the importance. So the Bible talks about there are three positions over there. Lord is a title. Headship is a position. Lord is a title. Headship is a position. <coughs> God is Theos. Christ is Christos. Let me tell you, man is an heir. Male creation and woman in Greek is kune. It is never changed. The order is very clear. Theos, Christos, aner, gune. It's never changed. The world can go whichever way it wants. Order never changes. You can fight for every right you want. In God's kingdom, it doesn't change. But one day, it's a different thing. Because there is, we'll get a new body and everything changes. But here, this is the test. This is the test. We can never have hear from God or really, really receive revelation from God and move ahead unless order is established. Primarily, headship is established. Christ had to hear from his father. He had to accept him as curious. The lordship of his father. It was not a question of equality. The Bible says he was equal. But he came under established headship. Both the title and the position established. That's why in the Bible only two people are actually mentioned. One is Abraham. The other is Sarah. When was Sarah, uh, Abraham, headship established? In Genesis 22. You don't have to go there. Take your son, the only son, and offer him as a sacrifice. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. No questions asked. Yes, Lord. Headship is completely established. No questions. In First Peter chapter 3, 1 to 6. Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Do, what does it mean accompanied by fear? Conduct accompanied by fear. Basically God is talking about, I mean, it's so difficult to say these things in the modern world, especially to ladies, young ladies. He says, when you address your husband, there should be reverence, there should be fear because of the position he holds. And we all knew it. We're very careful. When we worked in secular establishment, we were very careful. I mean, not, I mean, when you walked, I mean, I walked into my boss's office, my principal's office, so no, I never sat down until he told me to sit down. Never. And sometimes he used to forget. And sometimes we have 45 minutes we stand. He's sitting and I'm talking. And then said, I'm so sorry, Sir James, please sit down. I said, okay, sir. And I pulled the chair and sit down. Very careful how you address them and how you spoke to them. Very, very. And it's a secular thing. And God is talking about, you know why? Because we need to ask ourselves sometimes, why is God's power not coming into our homes? Why are the breakthroughs not coming in? You know why? Because God says, my power can only flow through order. And you're not establishing order. Fear. Let not your adornment be merely outward, arranging hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. 
Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, former times the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. What is God talking about? What is God talking about? You know what? What was Sarah's adornment? Her submission. In heaven, God doesn't look at how pretty you are. God doesn't look how tall, handsome a man is. The only adornment heaven recognizes is submission. Is the man under the headship of Christ Jesus? And he says, he's good looking. He's beautiful in my eyes. He does not look at anything outward. Outward things are irrelevant to God. But when he sees a man who is accepted, Christ as curious, under the submission of Christ, he says, you are beautiful. You're good looking in my eyes. In the same way when God looks at a woman and says she's submissive to her husband and obeys. Man has to submissive to Christ and obeys. God says, you know what? You're good looking. You're beautiful in my eyes. Being submissive as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him curious. Whose daughters you are, if you do good, are not afraid with any terror. You don't have to be afraid of the consequences of your actions because God will intervene. Intervene. And we need to realize these are fundamental things. It's a simple thing. You look at seven years of oppression. Midianites are taking everything. God comes and speaks to one man. The point, restoration is beginning. And we would say, Lord, seven years are up. Lord, please move. God says, no. Build an altar. Properly. Are you Yehudi? Yes, Lord. Do you know what the Lord says, how the altar has to be made? Yes. Do you know what the altar says, how the wood has to be placed? Yes. Do you know how the sacrifice has to be cut? Yes. Do you know how it has to be placed? Order. Then, I will start walking in your life. So don't neglect these little, little things because we skip over it and we, we enter into his gates without praise and his courts without thanksgiving. Run in and say, Lord, do you know my problem? God says, I know. Where's your order? Where's your order? I don't see order. Where's your order? Come through the order. Order has to be established. That's what Paul says, right? Bring all, be anxious for nothing. All your prayers, supplication, with thanksgiving. There is order. Enter his courts with praise. Give him the sacrifice of prayer. What is all this? It is order. How does that order come? Because we realize my problems are nothing for him. And nothing, nothing for him. So Christ's adornment was his submission to his father. Have this mind that was in Christ Jesus. What is that mind? You basically, if I'm right, and now you will say have this attitude. What is that attitude? The attitude of complete submission to his father. And that is why he is the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. If you look at his visage, there was nothing in him that could attract him. But if you looked at his submission, he is the most beautiful in heaven. Because no creation, though he's not a creation, but he was born a woman, has ever shown the power of submission and therefore he was filled without measure. So you have to look at these truths and believe it and receive it. And not looking at the physical reality. It doesn't matter what your husband is like or, or you, you don't like some of the things Christ says. A lot of things Christ says you will not like. You will not like. Most of the things which God told uh, the beginning from the beginning from Abraham onwards, you wouldn't want to do those things. It doesn't make any sense at all. But why do you do? Because you accept his lordship. Accept his lordship. 
and he was filled without measure. So as we come back to judges, you have to tear down the altar of Baal. Okay, it may look beautiful, but it has no divine order. That altar has no divine order. You may have offered so much on that altar. Nothing was accepted by God. It brought destruction. It brought destruction. Okay. Order of our lives as a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable. Holy, acceptable. You know what the Bible says? Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 to 15. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And see, if you don't, if I don't have order, God will not lead me through Christ. Procession is going on, but when you look in, if you, if your spirit might be able to see in the spiritual realm, you will see in that procession, you are not there, I am not there. And through us spreads everywhere, what? Fragrance. Fragrance of the knowledge of him. Okay. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. If you go to KJV, if you go to KJV, okay. Another term is used. For we are to God what? A sweet, we are to God what? A sweet savor. You turn with me. To Genesis chapter 8 and verse 20 and 21. And we'll come back to that. 8, 20 and 21. Noah built an altar unto the Lord, took of every clean beast, every clean fowl, offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelt a sweet. See, when the offering was offered, God said, it's nice. Smells good. And I will not curse. Now you go back to Second Corinthians. But thanks be unto God, which causes us to triumph in Christ and makes manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. For we are unto God a sweet savor of Christ. God says, if you are a living sacrifice and your life has that order and you submit yourself completely to the will and the ways of God. He says, every day when I look at your smile, when I look at your life, he says, smells good. Smells good. Your life smells good to me. We are either stinking or we are smelling good. Smelling good. And he says, you know what? He, those whose lives have the savor of Christ, God says he is manifesting the knowledge of Christ by us in every place. That's why people will, you know, people will sometimes say, you know what, uh, when I listen to him, what he speaks is true, but I don't want to be like him. You know, people say that. I don't want to be like him. What he speaks is true. But I don't want to be like him. You know what? We failed in bringing across the aroma of the knowledge of Christ. It's not the knowledge about Christ. It's the knowledge of Christ. Knowledge of Christ. Okay. And that's our witness. Our witness is not our words. Our witness is our life. Witness is our life. 
witnesses our life. Word by word, we are passing only the the knowledge about God. As I close, Ephesians chapter five and verse two. Walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling savor. Okay, we are thinking, thinking about the cross. No, his entire life the father said, you smell good son. Your life's good smell, good son. Okay, one more verse before I stop. First Corinthians eleven three we read and we four and we'll go to prayer. Sister man. Eleven three. I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonored his head. Okay. What the Bible is talking about? Dishonorous Christ. So God is basically telling man, when you uncover your head, do you honor Christ? We are talking about covering. Forget covering. The other way. When you uncover your head, if a man covers his head, he dishonors his head. But when you uncover your head, do you honor Christ? It's a question to be asked to man. It's a simple question to be asked. Okay? We are not talking about physical. There's something more important here God is talking about. Because we came to order, we came to headship, we saw the headship has order, so on a, in a family, in a home, the man is the head. The woman is not the head. But God says, when you uncover your head, when does, do you honor me? In what you say, when you prophesy, you pray, when you speak. Because what is man called to do? What Christ does. What does Christ do? Washing by the water of the word. Cleanses his wife. And God says, do you bring me honor? Do you bring me honor? Do you honor me? We only took look at this part and say, you know what? If a man covers his head, he dishonors his head. God says, okay, you don't cover your head. But my question, he says... All the men are with the head uncovered. But he says, but the head uncovered, are you honoring me? Are you honoring me? Do you honor me? In the way you uncover your head, do you honor me? You know, do you honor me? You need to realize these are fundamental things because everybody tomorrow we have a special meeting. Okay? The whole world is like going down the slope so fast. It's rolling into, unless God does something. I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm not a prophet. My job is to look at both sides and just to make a deduction and to say that either God is going to stop it, we're going to get some more time, or the end has begun. It's the beginning of labor pains. Okay? Of this thing. We do not know. But the question is, God has to intervene in either case. There has to be order. And sometimes we don't understand why did Moses have to be in the wilderness for 40 years? Why did Joseph have to be in prison for 13 years? Why did Elijah have to be in Zarephath and in Chariot for three and a half years? What was God doing? God was always ready to send the rain. God was always ready to deliver Israel. 
God is always ready to put Joseph on the problem is these people were not ready. People were not ready. God was working patiently order in their lives so that his power could flow through them, his life could prove through them and they would bring honor to their head. Honor. So don't take Gideon as an example because at the end he will bring dishonor to his head. Don't look Samson as an example. He will bring dishonor to his head. There are lots of people over there who brought dishonor to their head. Though God used them for seasons. That's why we're talking about persevering till the end. End. At the end we should be able to say like Saul of Tarsus, Apostle Paul, you know what? I brought honor. I brought honor. I brought honor. You know? And that's what Jesus Final words, Father, I have brought honor, glory to your name. I have glorified your name. How did he glorify your name? How did Jesus glorify his father's name? You know what? Never did he rebel against his father. It was always, you are Lord. Even when you are asking me to do something which my entire soul detests, because I'm going to be separated from you, it is your will and not my will. And you know what? And he has finished sweating blood. Angels came and ministered to him. Ministered to him. We want divine visitation. We want divine power. But God says, "It's I want to give it to you too. Because when the time is moving this way, when sin abounds, grace abounds, that doesn't mean automatically grace comes. It doesn't matter how wicked and evil the world gets, how tyrannical the regimes become. We have more than enough grace available for us. But for that... This order has to be established in our lives. Established in our lives. And God says, when you do that, and you do that by faith, that's what God is making Gideon into, a fearful, desperate man. Hears the word, cuts down his father's altar, builds an altar in proper order, and then slowly things starts moving. And before you know, Israel is delivered. Israel is delivered. Okay, There's no other way. There's no other way. We don't buckle under pressure. We don't look at all the things that are happening because intimidation will increase. Intimidation will increase. This government is like an intimidating government. Okay. I hear about social media. Anybody is posting about in the North India and all, not South so much. And this thing, India, anything about the COVID and this thing, they're getting threatening calls. Take it off. You're destroying the image of the country. They're more, imp- more concerned about the image of a few leaders than the state of the nation. Okay, like what happened in US yesterday. It's intimidation. FBI is coming to Rudy Giuliani's and setting a warrant and take it's intimidation. Basically it's intimidating because he's he's the guy who fought it. They intimidate. We don't buckle under intimidation. We don't buckle under intimidation. That's the question God is talking about. Tomorrow if the knock is at your door, will you buckle? Do you have the faith? To stand up like Daniel's three friends and say, I don't bend. I don't bow. I don't bend. I don't bow. Okay, we don't do that. Okay, there's only one who is true. We bend to that truth. We bend to that God. There's only one. Yes, start fearfully, but end valiantly. End fearfully, obedient. Then he is obedient. Because the level of obedience is increasing. It's not easy. One day he's got with ten people to cut down. An altar. A little later, he has to face a mighty army with just 300 men. And the Bible does not say he had a sword in his hand. 
doesn't say. They don't they say the sword of the Lord and the sword of Gideon. But if they are looking at what they are holding, it's an empty pitcher and a flame and a trumpet. Face an army like that. How did you become like that? Simply the power of submission to God's revealed word. Simply the power of revealed. And there are so much things revealed already to us. And God says, will you obey? Will you obey? That's what it means. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Come, we shall pray. Come pray. Let's pray. You want water? Okay. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, we just come to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Yes, in the world we say, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. And even the tough in the world break under pressure. They give up, they recant, they commit suicide, they do all kinds of things. But your saints... You pick the weak things of this world, the foolish things of this world, and make them the wise in Christ, the strong in Christ. And they don't recant. They don't buckle under pressure. But that comes only through submission. That only comes through submission to God, to Christ, to the word and above all now to the Holy Spirit. Unless we submit to the leading of the Holy Spirit and obey the power of God that we need for our moment, for our will not come. And I pray everywhere your servants who are listening especially in a time like this, they will not look at what the doctors say. Thank you Lord for the doctors. They will not look at what their eyes and ears Yes, some of them are just abandoned in the COVID wards. Because nobody wants to go near a COVID patient. 